Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We hear a lot in America today about a national divorce. Two Americas that just can't seem to get along. So why not just split up and become two separate countries? This almost happened in the 1850s and 1860s in the Civil War, where about 700,000 men died. And thankfully, the war ended with America still united, still together. There was no national divorce back then. Yet today, we are on the verge of another civil war, and more and more people would love a national divorce. Well, there is an example in history of a national divorce. It's actually recorded in quite some detail in your Bible. This was with ancient Israel. The nation had suffered lots of war, continuous war and betrayal and bloodshed under King David as punishment for his sins with Bathsheba, his adultery and murder. But then after David, there was peace under his son Solomon. Solomon was able to build a temple for God with the resources that David had gathered. The problem was Solomon also committed many sins. Both of these leaders were great leaders in a lot of ways, but there is punishment for wrongdoing. Solomon had committed grievous sins. He had sacrificed children to Moloch. He was involved in child sacrifice. He was worshiping pagan gods, all to please his Gentile wives. Solomon did have a serious weakness for women, and it led him to child sacrifice. We can't even imagine how much God must hate that practice. So the big punishment against Solomon was a national divorce. Here is what God said as his pronouncement of punishment against Solomon. For as much as this is done of you, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Notwithstanding in your days, I will not do it for David, your father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of your son. Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to your son for David, my servant's sake. And for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. That's 1 Kings 11, verses 11 through 13. 
God foretold a national divorce. It would take place after Solomon was gone. Solomon and his son, well, really his son, would lose the kingdom. Solomon's son would lose Israel. Now, right after this prophecy, this pronouncement from God, events started moving, started going in motion toward the fulfillment. Jeroboam had a position of authority and power under Solomon. You can see that in 1 Kings 11, verse 28. He was a man of great influence and valor. Verses 29 through 31 show really a conversation between Jeroboam and a prophet of God, the prophet Ahijah. And it was a pretty interesting interaction here. 1 Kings 11 verses 29 through 31. Basically, Ahijah (laughs) grabbed Jeroboam's garment and ripped it into 12 pieces. They were out alone in a field and (laughs) basically Ahijah assaulted (laughs) Jeroboam. That would qualify as assault today. He took his garment off, ripped it in 10 pieces. Verse 31, and he said to Jeroboam, take you 10 pieces, for thus says the eternal, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to you. So we get a little bit more detail here where there are 12 total tribes. If Jeroboam gets 10 of them, that really means that there are two left over for Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Now, the main tribe led by Rehoboam would be Judah, hence the name Jew. We'll see that in a moment. Somehow, Solomon must have found out about Ahijah's prophecy to Jeroboam. And so Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. Solomon felt betrayed, even though Jeroboam didn't ask for this prophet to (laughs) take off his garment and rip it into 12 pieces. Jeroboam fled to Egypt and he hung out there until Solomon died. Once Solomon died, Rehoboam was made king. And then somehow Jeroboam returned from Egypt and was in charge of a delegation that went before the king. Jeroboam simply asked Rehoboam for less taxation. Here's what it says in the late educator Herbert W. Armstrong's book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy, in chapter 6, titled Children of Israel Become Two Nations. Page 63. Mr. Armstrong wrote, Solomon taxed the people excessively and reigned in a gorgeous splendor, probably never equaled before or since. Reminds us a lot of leaders today who burden the people with grievous taxation and they make themselves millionaires despite accomplishing nothing. 
this was a real problem for Solomon. And then he wrote the entire book of Ecclesiastes showing how all of this indulgence in physical pleasure, in wealth, amounted to nothing. It was all just vanity. Solomon looked back on that and regretted it at the end of his life. He regretted all that taxation, all that materialism. So really, Jeroboam did have a reasonable request to make of Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Just please lessen the taxation a little bit. The nation is already strong and powerful. The borders are expanding. We've enjoyed a lot of peace. Obviously, there's a lot of wealth at the palace. Solomon had a wonderful, wealthy life. Can we just lessen the taxation a bit? Now, the problem is Jeroboam probably didn't make this request in good faith. He already knew that God intended to give him 10 tribes. Jeroboam was foretold to take over Israel. So he probably didn't want Rehoboam to lessen the taxation. He probably did want a national divorce so he could take power. There is blame to go around for this whole situation. Jeroboam is leading this delegation, but probably didn't even want his request to be answered. Rehoboam made a huge mistake. He sent away Jeroboam's delegation and said, just give me three days to think about this. And in that time, Rehoboam received a lot of wise counsel from older, experienced men. But then... He went to his foolish young friends and he asked for their counsel as well. There were two different choices Rehoboam could have made. He could have followed the wise counsel or the foolish counsel. The older men, the wise men told Rehoboam, you really need to make a good first impression on the people. You need to lessen the tax burden, and these people will gladly serve you forever. Now, the foolish counsel of his peers was to crush the people, remind them who's in charge, make their burdens even tougher and heavier. So after the three days of deliberation, King Rehoboam had his answer. 1 Kings 12, verse 11. And now, whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. What a tone deaf, seriously unself-aware proclamation by King Rehoboam. This has been a problem throughout history. Leaders not respecting and serving their own people. 
thinking that they can do whatever they want and have no accountability. We see that all the time in America today and around the world. Leaders just acting completely above the law and totally hypocritical. Just contempt for their own people. It was a problem back here with ancient Israel too. This led to a rather unique split. A national divorce with no war and with a strange (laughs) sequence of events. It's really, you have to follow this closely. This is page 65 of the United States and Britain in Prophecy. Basically, Jarrett Boehm responded to Rehoboam and said, fine, we're, we're going back to our tents and we will not follow you. Page 65 of the United States and Britain in Prophecy. Mr. Armstrong wrote, note carefully that the 10 tribes rent away are called by the title Israel. And that the one tribe remaining under Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is merely called Judah or the house of Judah. They go by their tribal name while the 10 tribe kingdom continues to carry the national name Israel. So Judah was one of the 12 tribes. And this now became a new national name. All of Israel stayed Israel. And then you had Judah, the tribe of Judah, under Rehoboam that broke away. But look at at how strangely this happened. Continuing with Mr. Armstrong's quote, Actually, Israel rejected its king and set a new king, Jeroboam, on Israel's throne. The tribe of Judah seceded from the nation Israel in order to retain Rehoboam as their king. But now Rehoboam, David's grandson, became king of a new nation. That new nation was not the kingdom of Israel. It was the kingdom of Judah. (laughs) So it's, it's really strange how this played out. Rehoboam was already the king. He was already ruling in Jerusalem. But... He led the breakaway faction. Even though Israel set up a new king, Jeroboam, and moved their capital to Samaria, it was actually Judah under Rehoboam that broke away. That's what God said would happen. Israel would continue being Israel, but Solomon's son would lose Israel. The kingdom would be torn away from him and he'd be left with just a little piece. He'd have just a fragment of the original nation. He was the one who started a new nation called Judah. Now we have Israel and Judah in this situation. Israel, that delegation led by Jeroboam simply walked away. They were disgusted by Rehoboam's proclamation. Rehoboam saying he would make their tax burden worse and chastise them with scorpions. 
really not the best start for a new king to speak to his own people that way. So Jeroboam and all the Israelites said, fine, we're walking away from this. We don't want any part in this. They kept going the way they wanted to go, and Rehoboam was left with just the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, and then eventually with the Levites, because Jeroboam toppled the Levites. The Levites were the ones supposed to really keep the true religion going in Israel. But Jeroboam (laughs) threw out the Levites and set up essentially pagan priests. He took the lowest of the people and made them priests and worshiped false gods. So once Jeroboam kicked out the Levites, they went over and they joined Judah too. Rehoboam was leading a new nation called Judah, consisting of the original tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and then the scattered Levites, once Jeroboam kicked them out too. But there was no fighting involved in this national divorce. Maybe this is the most unique part of all of it. Somehow, they didn't have to fight. Notice 1 Kings 12, verse 24. Thus says the Eternal, You shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened, therefore, to the word of the Eternal, and returned to depart according to the word of the Eternal. So God himself stepped in. Judah was ready to go to war against Israel. These were two separate nations now. And God said, no. I said this would happen. I told Solomon this would happen because of his sins. Because he sacrificed children in the fire. I said that Solomon's son would lose Israel. This is from me. God told Judah not to attack Israel, and they actually listened. No fighting, no war. Just a national divorce. Ten tribes under Jeroboam, still called Israel, and then two tribes plus the scattered Levites under Rehoboam, now called Judah, an entirely new, separate nation. It's so easy to see parallels to today and how something like this could happen, except the fact that there was no war somehow. However, eventually this national divorce did lead to war. It was inevitable. You had Israel in the north, Judah in the south, directly bordering each other. Obviously, these two nations started thanks to a major disagreement. Disagreement can eventually lead to war, and that's exactly what happened with Israel and Judah. Here's page 68 of the United States and Britain in Prophecy. Mr. Armstrong just briefly sums up a situation in 
1 Kings 16. This is page 68. Ahaz began to reign as king of Judah. He sat on David's throne. At this time, a man named Pekah was king of Israel. King Pekah of Israel formed an alliance with Rezin, king of Syria, against Judah. And together, the armies of Israel and Syria, allied, came up against Jerusalem. They besieged King Ahaz of Judah, but could not overcome him. And so notice here, 1 Kings 16, verse 6. This is a fact completely lost to the world today. They don't understand this. 1 Kings 16, verse 6. Excuse me, 2 Kings 16, verse 6. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, recovered Elath to Syria and drove the Jews from Elath. And the Syrians came to Elath and dwelt there unto this day. 2 Kings 16, verse 6. The importance of this verse is this is the first time in the entire Bible where the term Jews is used. You have Syria allied with Israel driving out the Jews. Mr. Armstrong continued in page 68 of the United States and Britain in Prophecy. The first place in the Bible where the word Jew is used, we find Israel at war against the Jews. Who drove the Jews out of Elath? The ally of King Pekah of Israel. The army fighting with Israel against Judah. And the children of Judah who resided in the town of Elath are called Jews in a manner which distinguished them from the house of Israel, with whom these Jews were at war. Observe the significance of that. Mr. Armstrong is absolutely right. How significant this is. Israel and Judah are separate. Even to this day, the descendants of Israel and Judah are separate. There is a nation on earth today called Israel that should be called Judah. How confusing is that? The, the modern descendants of ancient Judah are now called Israel. And yet no one knows who actual Israel today is. The nation called Israel should be called Judah. And, and most people cannot locate where modern Israel is. That's why this book is so important. Mr. Armstrong continues. It is wrong to call the Jews of today Israel. They are not the nation Israel. They are Judah. And wherever Israel t is today... Remember that Israel as a national name does not mean Jew. Whoever the lost 10 tribes of Israel are today, they are not the Jews. This is a crucial fact to understand when we read Bible prophecy. This fact that Israel and Judah separated, they experienced a national divorce. 
This unlocks Bible prophecy. Now we have Israel and Judah. And whenever those are talked about in Bible prophecy, they are referring to different groups of people. We need to understand that. And really, when we understand that, we can understand so much more about the coming national divorce and civil war in America today. The United States and Britain in prophecy will explain why America is about to repeat this history, why we are about to fracture and fall. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.